Welcome to Half Finished to Done, a podcast for passionate business owners like you who are ready to stop procrastinating and start finishing all of your half-done projects. I'm your host, Christina, and I'm looking forward to helping you finish your projects in a calm, sustainable way using a simple, repeatable process. All along the way, we'll be working through the mental, emotional, and logistical obstacles that are standing between you and extraordinary projects. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I am super excited to have Shannon on today. I have known Shannon for freaking years at this point. We go way back. So Shannon, tell us a little bit about yourself and your work. Christina, thank you so much for having me on the show. So yeah, we go way back, I think, to like my early business days, 2014, 2015. Back then, I was a freelance web designer. I was undercharging, over-delivering, super burnt out. So I pivoted to teaching entrepreneurs how to DIY their website, thinking that I would get around all of those hard things in my business by not having to deal with people and people's money and just by creating passive income trainings. And it worked. It worked up into a point. And then there's a point where you kind of plateau and you actually have to work on your stuff if you're going to get to the next level. And that's kind of where I found myself. And so I had a desire to quit my day job and be my own boss. And the fastest path to that was going to be offering one-on-one services again, in addition to my affiliate marketing and courses. And so I had to fix my broken web design business. And Establish some boundaries and ditch imposter syndrome and perfectionism and all of those things. And that experience led me to ultimately creating what I now almost exclusively focus on. We still offer the other things, but now we coach and mentor web designers to create profitable web design businesses inside of our web designer academy as kind of like a culmination of all of those past experiences that I had in addition to the transformation that I had to go through and just talking to so many web designers about their issues, we developed a program to help them stop undercharging and over-delivering and create profitable and sustainable and healthy web design businesses. So that's where I'm at today in 2022 at the time of this recording. Which is what, like eight years. So I'm like, I have seen you through some shit. It is so (laughs) cool to watch your trajectory. And just, I love what you said. So you've dealt with the perfectionism. You dealt with the like deep desire to over deliver and kind of sounds like having that backfire. And I love what you said about in business, you always have a new layer of stuff as we like to call it. So the mental and emotional obstacles that you're going to have to work through. I'm so glad you said that because when people look at you, you have a super successful business. And I imagine it would be easier for easy for people to be like, oh, she's dealt with everything. She's just smooth sailing. But I'm like, my guess is it still comes up over and over. Oh, yeah. The same challenges I had when I was first starting come up again and again and again. And you would think by now I would recognize them for what they are. But it kind of takes a minute for me to be like, oh my gosh, that is the same core thing that was happening back in 2016 when I was afraid to raise my prices from $200 to $997 when I'm trying to go from 
7,500 to 10,000. Like it's the same stuff and it comes up over and over and over again. You do get faster at recognizing it and you're willing, I think the more wise, I guess you get, the more information you gather, the quicker you can kind of shift out of it and be like, okay, I'm willing to take the risk and see what happens because I'm not going to make this mean everything is going to fall apart if this doesn't work. Yeah, it's like same problem, different dollar amount, different, like a few extra zeros on the other side of it. Right. Well, and I think that's really, really powerful for everyone to hear is like the more quickly and you can get comfortable with your own shit coming up. And I wouldn't even say like accepting it, but wanting it. I think of my business growth as a personal journey. It is me becoming more of who I want to be in every single way. And I'm like, I want to be calmer and more relaxed and more steady and all these things that I'm forced to work on in my business. So I see it as a gift, even when it fucking sucks. (laughs) Oh, me too. I mean, and the earlier that you can kind of figure this stuff out, the more of a gift that it is for you to... It's just one of those things that's like, you're never going to get to the place where everything's perfect all the time and you don't have, have anything else to learn. That's just not a thing. So dig in now because it's only going to benefit you. I love that. Hearing it firsthand from you. So I have to give a little bit more context around this episode. So first of all, your name has been dropped here on the podcast multiple times. So I always say that some of my very best clients come directly from your community. So I just wanted to give you a shout out and thank you for that. So if anyone is interested in the work you do, I'll give you a chance to plug at the end, but they will be in good company because your people... I think it's a testament to you that you attract wonderful people. They are incredible, you know, and I thank you. Thank you for that. I will accept that wholeheartedly. And they are, they're very driven. They're very determined. I think they have the same core desires that I have, which is what attracts them to my community and ultimately your community, because that's how we got connected is like freedom, flexibility, and financial independence. And freedom doesn't just mean to me anymore. It used to mean like to be able to do whatever I want, whenever I want. But I think what it really means is what you said earlier. I want to feel calm. I want to feel confident. I want to feel resilient. I want to know that like I cannot control the outcome of my outputs, right? I can only make a uh, educated guess. I can take some risks. I can think I might might know what happens, but I can't control the outcome. I want to be resilient enough to say, no matter what happens, I can handle it. If it does all fall apart, I can handle it. And I think that's the freedom. That's the evolution of the freedom for me from 2014 to 2022. And I think that's what the people I call into my world also want. And I think that that's why they're so special because we're willing to go through a lot of stuff to create that because it's so worth it. I love what you said. And it's the mental freedom, right? Because I used to, like back in the day, I was really big on location independence, which I still have, still amazing, right? Or time freedom, super big on that. But it's that mental freedom And the other thing that I will never get over, like I think about this every single day. I'm like, in a corporate environment, you have an idea. God knows how long it's going to be until that becomes something that actually happens and comes to fruition. Maybe never. As a business owner, literally any idea that you have, you could implement right this second. That is 
that power is intoxicating. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. That creative freedom. That is like, I definitely think that that's something that I take for granted as a business owner and thinking about, I'd have to take an idea to a committee and another committee and another committee and get budget approval and years would go by and I'm kind of like, I'm over this now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now I don't even want to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I want to give a little bit more context too, because I happen to know that you are very experienced in the model of thoughts, feelings, actions, results. I know you have a lot of background in that. So the reason I'm bringing that up is because anyone who's been listening to the podcast or anyone who's done my program knows that that's a huge core part of the work we do. So I love that you're not a coach, but you have, you can speak that lingo because I think that's going to come up a lot today. So can you just talk a little bit about your exposure to that model from the Life Coach School? Yeah, I'm not a coach. I'm not certified by the Life Coach School, but every coach I work with and follow, almost every coach is. So I've worked with a mindset coach, like Curran Crabtree of No BS Women, and I listen to Brooke Castillo's podcast and I, immer- I do that thought work every single day in terms of... I always say it's like goals I want to accomplish in my personal life, but it's really all the same. It truly is all the same. Whether it's I want to cultivate a better fitness routine or less stress or less anxiety or whatever it is, it literally is all the same thing. <laughs> so I say, oh, I do. I use this coaching for personal goals it's all the same. It's all the same. I use it for me, right? That's what it comes down to is you use it for yourself. And I've had that experience too, where I'll be like dating, for example, and I'll be like, wait a second, I have the same thought about dating that I have about my clients, which is like one of my thoughts is like, I need to work harder. And I'm like, oh, how fascinating. Now I get the chance to solve it across both of those worlds. Oh yeah. There's this thought when I do things that I how do I say this? When I do something I say I'm not going to do or I don't think I should do because I have this like crazy high standard for myself. And then it's like, oh, you should know better than that. You're smarter than that. So that is one of those things where it's like super judgy, not at all helpful, makes me feel like crap and makes me not even want to try, right? when you have those thoughts and it's like, that's one of those ones that's like, oh, where else is that popping up? But just in a different sentence. That one hits me hard because I am familiar with that one. I always joke with my life coach that I'm like, other people can do this or do that, or that's fine for them. Not me. I have this like exception, like, I am exempt from having to suffer from negative emotions or like I am exempt (laughs) from feeling bad a lot of the time. And so it's like my brain will constantly be like, no, you're exempt and you should be better than that, which is exactly your thought, right? You should be better. Like I shouldn't ever experience any negative emotion because look at all of the success I have created. And then, oh, if I feel like crappy or unhappy or whatever, I'm like, feeling guilty because I'm like, look around. You shouldn't feel bad. You have a successful business. You built your dream home. You did this. You did that. You bought your dream car last year. You have a great family, great friends, great this. And then I like devalue or act like I should feel awesome 
all the time because of all these external things and then judge myself for feeling bad and like discounting the fact that it's like, oh, half of like, you can't feel great all the time. It's just not statistically possible. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But I can get caught in that spiral. Exactly. And you like compound your own pain by being like, now I'm an ungrateful little brat. Right. <laughs> like that's where I go. Yeah. I'm like, you're selfish and ungrateful. <laughs> Absolutely. Really Familiar. Yeah. And that holds you back from going for bigger things in your business, right? So that's kind of where I'm at this level of like, last year we did half a million. We're on track for a half a million this year, but I wanted to do a million. And what I don't realize, and I wanted to do a million for the impact that means for my students. It wasn't just like, oh, because I need a million dollars. It's like, when I create a million dollars, that means this is how many students' lives we've transformed. But what I find is when I have this thought spiral of like, I'm selfish and ungrateful and I already have enough, and I shouldn't want more that sabotages me from going for the bigger impact because I'm like, well, I don't deserve it. Then I have... The only way I think I will deserve it is I have to be like, well, it's not about me. It's about the results that other people will get, which that helps pull me out. But it's still like I'm allowed to have it, even if I feel crappy one day. You know, I think that's super good for everyone to hear. And, and I'll say that sometimes with clients, if they're like, if they have the thought, I'm selfish, I'm like, okay. Like, I don't even try to talk people out of the thought I'm selfish. I'm like, what if being selfish is awesome? And then it's like, you can just see the relief wash over people's face. Like, wait, I could just be selfish and that might be okay. And then what opens up for you and how do you show up? I'm just like, my brain is like, does not compute. Even though I know what you're saying, like I could spend time telling the story about how that's good. And I even tell my clients, it's so funny you're saying this because I tell my web designers all the time. When you make decisions to create a healthy, sustainable business for yourself, it can only benefit your clients ultimately. Even when you have to tell them, no, I will not do this for you. Because when you say yes to them, your whole schedule, world, life stress is going to fall apart because you cannot sustain it because you're saying yes to everybody because... I charged them so much money. Now I'm at their, you know, I'm beholden to them forever. Whatever this thought is, you're actually harming your client through harming yourself. I have thoughts on that being true that I want to share in a second, but I want to hear more from you. Like, why is that so true to you? I have experienced the undercharging, over delivering, but feeling like I have to provide this level of service. To the point that I was so burnt out that I decided to shut my whole web design business down. And then nobody gets anything anymore. So how does that help the clients that I built a site for? And now I'm not even doing this anymore. And they have to go find someone else. Or I didn't have the capacity to like really give them my all because of this. So when I am selfish, quote unquote, that actually helps create a better outcome for both of us. I'm like, y'all, listen, please. (laughs) I'm like, this (laughs) is it, right? I know so many people who are like either headed towards burnout or already feeling burnt out. And it's like that constant thought of I need to be doing more. I love your reasoning. And I would actually add in that I've experienced this where 
When I am willing to do whatever it takes to make sure the client has an incredible experience, it backfires because what happens is I get needy and desperate and then I start like reaching out to them. I start doing the work for them. So I'm now overcompensating instead of figuring out why are they not stepping up? Why are they not feeling inspired and motivated and helping them get there on their own? It's like I'm now walking to them and dragging them along by the hand. I don't do this anymore. I do it subtly, but I don't do it as dramatically as I used to, right? Where I'd like follow up with people and hunt them down and be like, you should join. And now every once in a while, like I'll like send a message and be like, you should join, but like it's very unattached. And then the second part of that is when I stop overcompensating for them, I then have to figure out what solutions can I provide that will help them where they are get to where they want to be. Not because I'm doing the work for them, but because now I'm not willing to overcompensate. What can I create? Oh my gosh, that is so powerful. And that reminds me of a coaching session I had with one of my life coach school certified coaches that I work with, where we were talking about like, I don't even remember. I had just like a whole bunch of anxiety going on because I was about to, I was about to raise the prices of my signature program. And I think this was Corinne Crabtree's program. So I was just not following any of what she teaches. I was not planning ahead of time. I was not assessing. I was overeating out of stress and like and indulging in because I was so stressed out about this. This was the circumstance that was going on in my life that was creating me needing relief and seeking that in different ways. And so I remember getting on this coaching call and I just like verbal vomited like everything that was going on. And she says to me, you think you're responsible for your students' results? And I was like, yes. And she goes, that's impossible. She was like, you cannot control your client's results. You can only provide the most luscious circumstance for them to create their own results. And when you understand the model and how it works you know that that's a thousand percent true because unless I can jump in your body and do the work for you, I cannot control your results. I can influence my own results, but if my own results are tied to someone making a decision, I don't have any control over that either. All I can control is the circumstance under which I give them to create their own results. That moment was like freedom for me in terms of how I was trying to control their outcomes so that I could feel better or good or validated or worthy. And I'm like, oh, I get to just choose to feel that way now and let that dictate the circumstance I create through my program for my students. And that was a game changer, total game changer. All because I'm like, I can't stop overeating at night. (laughs) right? Which is so cool. And like, we're actually just recorded a podcast episode about buffering. And I'm like, I love that idea of like the buffering is telling you something. And when you go and you strip back, like, why am I overeating? Oh, because I'm trying to control people's results on the internet. Fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. And I would not have ever seen that if not having, giving myself the beautiful opportunity to get coached. We can go really far on our own, but there are just some things we cannot see. 
we're not ready to see them. We don't have the capacity to see them. We don't have the experience to see them the way a coach like you or someone else has worked with so many people and they can just so quickly cut to the heart of the issue. So I was just so proud of that version of myself because I I always get so scared. My heart pounds when I'm about to like get on those calls and I'm like, I'm about to talk about something that my brain isn't ready to stop. If I talk about this, it's going to get taken away from me. Does that make sense? If I say I need help with this problem, I'm not going to be able to do it anymore. So I'm not going to be able to overeat at night to soothe this anymore. And what if what you tell me doesn't like solve it, right? So I always get so worked up and I have to have the courage to even like ask for help. Every single time there's so much relief on the other side, but my primal brain is like, this isn't safe. You're going to take away your only coping mechanism. And it's fascinating. But that's one of the reasons why I prevent myself from getting support and I lone wolf it and try to figure it out on my own. But when I step into it and I actually give myself the opportunity to be coached, it is magical and transformational. And it shuts that off. Like the act of getting coached in and of itself, like takes the temperature down. It's fascinating. Oh, I love the way. I'm like, this is basically just a commercial for coaching now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel with my coach is I'm like, she's always like, I feel bad. I make you cry every time. I'm like, no, I love crying. I'm like, I crave it because I know on the other side is relief. And every time I leave feeling relieved. And what I want to just say for anyone listening is if you, let's say you're overeating and you want to stop doing that and you're trying to figure out why that's happening, you can come to coaching. Best case scenario, you feel that relief and you're like, I don't even need to eat over to overeat anymore because I got to the root issue. But I'm like, quote unquote, worst case scenario is you're like, okay, I have a new level of understanding about this. I might still want to overeat, but at least I can now be in self-empathy and self-compassion about that decision. And that's really different. Yeah, I might not be ready to let it go, but I know why I'm doing it. And I'm not going to beat myself up over it anymore. And that creates relief. Yes. I have a running joke with my mom and one of my friends because I've taught them what buffering is. (laughs) And so... Now we joke that like, if you know why you're buffering, it's, is it really buffering? <laughs> so if, you, if you're overeating or you're over drinking or you're scrolling on social media, but you know why, is it really buffering? Which is half a joke, obviously. <laughs> but I'm like, it's just that, it's that level of awareness about being like, oh, like I'll be like, oh, I'm scrolling on TikTok because I'm trying to feel satisfied. Exactly. At least now I know. Okay. Let's segue from there. And I love this really thorough background on your understanding of the model. So let's actually talk about that now in the context of technology procrastination. And I want to say, I Googled this as a term and it doesn't exist. So we're coining it right here on this podcast, (laughs) tech procrastination. So what I mean by that is you have some thing that requires technology in your business and you want to do it and you are putting it off. So what I would love to hear from you, Shannon, is where do you see this happening with the people you work with? What kinds of things are they putting off? And then we'll get into the why. Oh, wow. So I work with two sets of people, right? I work with the DIYers, but I also work with web designers. And so this is like global across the board. So one of the biggest things is like people are afraid to pick the wrong tool, right? 
Should I do WordPress or Squarespace or Webflow or whatever? What about email marketing systems? What about CRMs? What about like online course platforms? Like there are endless options for those things, but people get so stuck in choosing the right thing. And I'm curious to know from you because I'm like, pick one, doesn't matter. Any one of them will work. You can make any of them work. You can either adapt your processes to their features or you can find one that matches your processes. Your choice is the least important thing in all of this. It's making a decision, setting it up, moving on to the business of running the business. I always say like, you can't make a wrong choice when it comes to your tech, but I'm curious to know from you, there's something underneath that. Yeah, for sure. And it has nothing to do with, I'm afraid I'll make the wrong choice in terms of this tool or the other. I mean, I think that's part of it. But I'm curious, like, what is the root of that that you see most often? Yeah. So immediately when you said it, I was like, I've been there. I hear this from clients all the time. And they always ask me like, well, what do you use? And I'm like, who cares? (laughs) Or the one that comes up a lot in my world is project management software. So it's like Asana or Trello. And I'm like, don't care. We're not going to talk about this. (laughs) But let's talk about why not. So there's two things. There's the rational part of your brain and there's the irrational part of your brain. And I think you have to address both of those things if you're truly spinning out. So for some people, there's just going to be a level where you hear what we're going to say next and you're like, oh, done. Perfect. But there's going to be some people that need more of the help, like soothing what's actually below it. So I want to speak to the rational side first. And I'm like, I say rational with no judgment. The thing that I always say, and you said it, the way I say it is, Whatever technology you're choosing, the average person uses like 5% or maybe 10% of the functionality. So I'm like, that's true for project management. That's probably true for websites. That's true for calendar systems. I'm like, it doesn't matter because the vast majority of the features you're literally not even going to touch ever. You're nodding along. What are your thoughts on that? I could not agree more. I mean, it really, it's pointless to not pointless, but it's just like one of those things where it's like, figure out what you need to accomplish. And can that tool get you 90% of the way there? And are the other things that you think you want to accomplish even things that like you really need to be doing? But yes, agreed a 1000% that we barely scratched the surface of what these tools can do in our actual day to day use. And I like what you said about getting it 90% of the way there. And then I'm like, I think people are so obsessed too these days about like automating everything. And I'm all about a good automation for sure. But I'm like, there's also a level which you can just have some super quick manual things that you do in your business, especially if your business is on the smaller side that are not that big a deal. So like I have some pieces of my onboarding process that I'm like, could I automate all of these? I'm like, yeah. But I'm like, they're so easy. I've timed them. I'm like, they take like three or four minutes done. So I think leaving that space for that manual part too, if it gets you into action. Now let's talk about that other side of you. And so I don't want to say irrational as in like, it's inappropriate. It's not an inappropriate reaction, but there's something usually in you that's going on that is, like you said, not as simple as just choosing a technology. So I want to address it on two layers. The first layer is getting stuck in that thought process, like you said, of I need to make the right decision. And really spending so much time and energy trying to avoid making the quote unquote wrong decision. 
right? And then that just leads to so much spinning out. And I've seen clients who sp- who can end up spinning out for like months or years. And then they come into my program and they like finish their website in eight weeks because they just made the decisions. And what I would say there is, could you live with the worst case scenario? Let's say that you do choose quote unquote wrong with your project management tool. Six months from now, could you live with that? Probably yes. It's probably not that big a deal. So that's one piece. And then below it is I think for most people, it's this idea of like, if I just analyze this and I don't make a decision, then I don't have to get to the next step, which is putting my idea out into the world and being terrified that I'm going to get rejected. So what are your thoughts on that? I completely agree with all of this. And I think that this is, you know, to tie this back to what I see all the time in the Web Designer Academy, I coach web designers to run profitable, sustainable web design businesses. Once we get them past like, what tool should I use for onboarding and whatever? And I'm like, we're platform agnostic here. We don't teach that stuff because you're smart enough to pick whatever tool, figure out how to adapt our strategies. There are other people in here using different ones. You guys can talk about that, whatever. But on the flip side of that, when they work with their clients and they find their clients spinning out in revisions or spinning out in what they're, you know, they recommended Calendly, but should I use Dubsat? Like their clients spin out in these decisions. And then our students, our web designers start questioning, well, am I good enough? What about this? They gave me feedback that my design wasn't engaging, even though I designed exactly what they asked me for. They're not getting back to me with copy or content or all this stuff. And I have to coach our designers to be like, take the feedback neutrally. What is actual and needs to like be changed or applied? Don't take that feedback personally as in, I'm not good enough. But have a little compassion and empathy for your client who may not be working with a coach and is having all of this stuff come up. And when you complete their website project and hand it back over to them, now it's time for them to go do the thing and they are terrified. So even though as web designers, we're not business coaches, we do have to be aware of what can go on in terms of those things for our clients so that we can still lead them through the project. And when you get feedback that like, this isn't engaging, (laughs) it's like, I had a coaching call with one of our clients today. She got this feedback and she was like, it made her think she wasn't good enough. I'm like, just put yourself in the shoes of your client. What do they think having a website that is not engaging is going to mean for their business that this money that they just spent with you, they're going to fail. Their business isn't going to be successful. So you can either take that, this is an engaging feedback and go do a whole entire redesign and try to prove you're good enough. Or you can go back to the client and say, tell me what you mean by not engaging. Let me explain to you the strategy behind why I designed this this way so that, you know, because it's designed to help your business be successful and et cetera, et cetera. So the rationale behind why you did this the way that you did this. And ultimately, it's about 
calming their fears. Now, if you did not like design what they expected to see, that's just a process problem, not a like existential problem or whatever, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. But us as service providers working in tech with clients who can experience tech procrastination, we have to not make that about us. And we have to step into the role of leading them through these things with compassion. Otherwise, you start to make your client wrong or make your client difficult or start to really hate your life and get burnt out and have all of these thoughts that it's too hard and all of these things is going to tank your business. So the tech procrastination can happen at the business owner level. But also if you're a service provider that's interacting with any kind of tech, you'll see your clients spin out in this. And you get to be real careful about what you make that mean. So freaking good. (laughs) This has so many layers, right? Because I'm thinking about you are working with your people who then turn around and work with people. I'm working with business owners who turn around and work with clients. So I'm like, there are so many parties who are involved in this. And I really love what you said about not making it mean something about you is a topic we may or may not have time for, but it's huge, right? Being able to take that feedback. And then the other thing that you touched on, and I always say this to my clients, I'm like, when you learn the thought model of thoughts, feelings, actions, results, I'm sorry to tell you, you're going to see it everywhere and you cannot ever unsee it. And so what happens is you start seeing it in your own life, but you also start seeing it in your relationships and you start seeing it in your clients. And you're like, huh, what are they experiencing? What thought are they having right now that's making them act like this? Like you said in this example, they're terrified. They're thinking I have to go out now and actually start this business because the stupid website's done and I kind of wanted it to never finish even though I've been pressuring my web designer, (laughs) right? And you can't get the final invoice paid and, and, and. And it just gives you that chance to be like, okay, I can understand why they're having a hard time because if I were having that thought in my brain and that feeling in my body, I'd probably be acting the same way. And it gives you that empathy. It's fascinating because we just had this conversation on one of our live strategy calls last week that one of our clients was working with one of her clients and we have some scripts in our program for go live, like when it's time to take the website live and it's time to launch the website. And her client kept delaying and delaying and delaying and delaying. And I had the light bulb moment that I'm like, oh, it's the words that we're using to talk about this that are putting so much pressure, like planting thought seeds in our clients' brains, creating circumstances for their clients to be like, we're launching, we're going live, like this is it. Now I have to start. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this script, this word that seems so just like technical to me is creating a lot of drama for not only our web designers inside the program thinking like, it's a launch, it's a big deal, it's a thing. It's literally just like click of one button and now people can see your site, whether you have a whole event around it or not, right? Creating a lot of drama for them, but also for their clients. And I was like, okay, so we get to rewrite this script and this module and this process for it to be project close and handover. Like... Think about how much less dramatic 
of thoughts that can create for someone who's not aware of the thought model and isn't analyzing and isn't like working with a coach to say, we are complete. I'm handing this over to you now versus we're going live and launching. That is such a good catch right there. And I was just playing it on. I was like, how would I feel? I think I'd be excited about a launch because that's the type of person I am. And you actually designed my website. So like, you know this firsthand. <laughs> but I'm imagining someone who they would feel pressure, right? That emotion would be pressure versus the way that you rephrased it of like, you know, it's the handover. And it's like satisfied and complete was the feeling that came up for me. You really don't know who, who you're working with and where they're at and how those things are going to affect them. So we can say things in our interactions with clients that take the temperature down for them. But also like if you are the person, you know, you are the person that's experiencing tech procrastination, you can also just be like, well, when this is done, that doesn't mean anything. I get to start this when I'm ready to start it. I get to market it when I'm ready to market. I get to send people there when I'm ready to send people there. There's no like, I think that's maybe another thing about tech procrastination is that like, I think once my website is live, everybody's going to see it. And nobody is going to see it until you tell somebody, hey, here's my website, please go there. And then they will see it after being invited by you to see it. So you have control over that pretty well in the beginning. Just because Google knows it exists doesn't mean that like suddenly anybody searching for what you do is going to see you and then see your site and be like, who does she think she is? Or who do they think they are? They're not an expert. I'm going to leave a bad review. Like We're afraid of this happening, but it's so very 0.01% chance of that occurring. I think that's a super good reality check for people to hear because I totally agree that we think it's like this like football stadium full of people are now going to rush onto our website and like with a, a mob and like sign saying, I hate you and you're inadequate. <laughs> yeah. It's not like it just like flashed up in Times Square. And now everybody right. knows about it. Yeah. But some people listening are like, I kind of wish that did happen. And I'm with you because I'm like, that would be nice for visibility. But <laughs> that would make business a little bit easier if you were ready for that for sure. Okay, so here's another thing when I was thinking about this idea of tech procrastination. And I'm gonna, I'll just state what I see and then I wanna hear your opinion of this. One thing that I see is that procrastinating on any sort of technology, if you get started on that, it can often feel really frustrating. So you end up in this feeling of frustration. And then I always encourage my clients, I'm like, what's below the frustration? So I tend to think that frustration is what I call a cover emotion, meaning it's like, irritable, grumpy, frustrated, annoyed. They're all emotions that mask what's actually going on below. And I would say the most frequent emotion that frustration is masking is inadequacy. And I think technology has a way of bringing up people's feelings of inadequacy. Where do you see that and how? Oh my gosh. Okay. I love that you brought this up because when I created my training for DIYers, I didn't know it at the time that that's really what I was doing. But I remember working in corporate and needing to interact with our IT department and calling the help desk and having them belittle me. Or I remember 
searching for answers for technical stuff that I was doing at work and going into a forum and posting a question and having people say things like, that's a stupid question. You shouldn't be doing what you're doing if that's the question that you have to ask. And I'm like, that made me feel inadequate. That made me feel stupid. But for me, personally, that also makes me very indignant. And I'm like, I don't need you. I'll figure it out on my own. So it really, that inadequacy pretty quickly shifts for me into just like fired up and like, I'll show you. (laughs) Yep. And so when I created my free five-day website challenge for DIYers, it was from the place of, I never want anyone to ever feel inadequate taking this training. And so I put like, I would say things like, there are no stupid questions. So if you come into our group and you ask, there are no stupid questions. I would also say, this is probably not going to work for you the first time. You might click this and it's not going to do what you saw in my video. Try it five more times and then come ask. I would say it is normal for things to not go for you as they're going in this video. It's normal for you to get weird errors. All of this is normal. And I would also say there's no such thing as being techie. There is literally no such thing as being techie. It is just persistence and curiosity versus frustration and inadequacy. So I would set them up to be like, this is normal. You're normal. This happens to everyone. You have a choice when it does. You can either fall off into frustration or you can choose curiosity and persistence because that's all techie is. And I didn't know at the time how powerful that really was going to be for people to be successful in building their own website with a lot of technical steps. And I think that that's exactly what it is, is that we expect everything to always just work. And it doesn't. And we make it mean something like we can get into blame and frustration and having unrealistic expectations. But I also think at the core is there is some inadequacy that can be going on there too. And so I see this happening with our web designers too, because they're like, well, I don't already know how to do that. So I can't... like, I don't already know. What if they ask me to do something I don't know how to do? And I'm like, you are not getting paid to already know. You're getting paid to be the one to figure it out. Yes. Like, period. So bring it on. And whenever someone has said to me, like, can we do X, Y, and Z? I don't know. I'm sure I'll do some research. I'll figure it out. I'll let you know the options. We'll, you know, we'll put together a plan for like figuring this out instead of like acting like, yes, I already know how to do that. It's already just stored up here in my brain. So I don't know if I answered your question, but those are all my thoughts on what's really underneath frustration when it comes to tech. No, I love it. And I love how intuitively you incorporated so many of these things into your program. And then I love that you're repeating them here because they are what everybody needs to hear, right? It's like, it's normal for things to go wrong. And I would say also in my program in Half Finished to Done Live, that's how we set up project plans. I'm like, we're not setting up a project plan with the expectation that everything's going to go perfectly and you're not going to get bored and you're not going to get unmotivated and you're just going to smooth sail. I'm like, we're setting up a realistic project plan that takes into account what's most likely to happen based on historical data. And what's most likely to happen is you're going to lose interest halfway through the project, or you're going to get distracted, or you're not going to know what to do next. I'm like, let's not ignore those things. Let's just plan for that. I love that. 
right? And make them expected instead of what I call blindsided by the expected, where like things keep happening. Like in your example, you get a tech error and then you're like, I never thought this would happen versus being like, obviously it's technology. Of course, there's going to be errors, right? And just making that the norm. And then I really love that you touched on this thought of like, I should know how to do it. And what I always say to my clients is like, but why? Have you ever done it? And they're like, no. And I'm like, so you think you should know how to do it, but you've never done it. Make it make sense. <laughs> like that, that makes no sense. And yet, obviously I do this too, but it's like just debunking that belief of like, I should not already know how to do it versus I'm capable of figuring it out if and when I need it. At least find out instead of just deciding ahead of time that you can't and then never trying. All right. So for everyone listening who's experienced this tech procrastination, you're not alone. We gave you some kind of mindset reframes to settle you down a little bit and just know that this is work that you can do, like work through slowly but surely. Any last advice that you would give people who are experiencing tech procrastination? I would just say progress, not perfection. Truly, you cannot make wrong decisions in terms of moving forward. And just kind of dig a little bit deeper. If you're experiencing tech procrastination, is it a process issue? Is it like a a rational thing? Or is it, like you said, rational, no judgment, but like how you described it? Or is there something I'd say just explore? If I made a choice and just moved forward and followed my plan, then what? And if there's something there, that is probably what you need to work on instead of researching all the different options. Spend that time working on that core thing instead of researching all of the different options. And the final thing I will say is like, I run a really successful business and we mess up our tech all the time. I'm cool with it because I'm like, we can't be perfect. Things are going to happen. And I don't want anybody who works with me to think that perfection is required for success. And I never apologize for any technical issue ever because that's just... It's reality. So I'm never going to try to make my business tech perfect. I'm never going to apologize for it not being perfect because I want to set the example that it's not perfection's not required. Perfection is not required. You guys heard it here first. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining, Shannon. This was spectacular. So good hearing from you. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Half Finished to Done podcast. If you're ready to become a self-assured repeat project finisher, the best place to work with me is in my eight-week group coaching program, Half Finished to Done Live. You'll leave our time together with one finished project and the skills you need to finish any project personal or business in the future. Just head to peakcoaching.co slash HFD live for your next step. Can't wait to work with you.